Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It's great to see all of you here today, worshiping with you. What an amazing thing that the Lord did through Jesus Christ, isn't it? I mean, we sing all of these things that he accomplished for us through the cross. And uh, so I do welcome you here today. Also welcome those who might be joining us on the podcast. It's always great to have you listening and trust that you'll hear from the Lord uh, from his word today. Um, I grew up in a church that uh, said what we called the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. You may have grown up in a church that called it the Our Father Prayer or whatever, and we, we said it every week. And you know, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Interesting. So that's the way we always said, give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, if you go to the King James Version of the Bible and, and, and all pretty much every serious scholarly translation of the Bible ever since, they translate that, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so I was, I was wondering this week, I said, why is that? Why don't you, because I, I, I was remembering and saying trespassers, and then I looked again in my Bible and said, wait a minute, doesn't say trespassers there. It does say trespassers just a little bit later when Jesus talks about it. But I found out, most likely, uh, a man named William Tyndale, who uh, was the, uh, translating the Bible into English uh, back in the 1500s, uh, for the common people, for everybody. And that was a new thing. That wasn't just accepted by uh, the religious leaders, whether that was a good thing or not. But he was translating it for everybody. And in the William Tyndale translation, he says, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, and they think that the reason he did this is because of the nature of how uh, things were at the time, how economies were and, and money, that, that the common people, as they read this, would misunderstand and think he was talking about financial debts. And so he chose to translate it trespasses to try to, to communicate that. But nonetheless, from uh, Tyndale on, and that became the basis for how churches from then on, when they recite this together, they typically say, forgive us our trespasses. And so um, this, the title for this sermon series, Trespassers. And, and realize that right in this, the Lord's Prayer, right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer there, it tells us that we are what? Trespassers. Trespassers. Now, I think we all know what trespassing means. It's the idea, we think normally, if someone trespasses on your property, what do they do? They, here's the property line, and, and if, for you have a sign up, or you, they, you told them they're not welcome, but they, they cross the line, okay? And so it is with God, when God says, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, here's how you're supposed to live, here's the line, and so when we cross the line, we trespass into an area we're not supposed to be in, okay? And so uh, that's how this word functions. But so right in the middle, we are trespassers. And then right in the middle of it, we, we ask God to forgive us. You know, forgive us our trespasses. And do we need forgiveness? Yeah. Now, when Christ forgave us, when he died for us on the cross and we received Christ as Savior, he forgives us of all our sins from then on, okay? I mean, we're forgiven forever. 
But there is a sense in which we still need forgiveness. Let me give you an example. With my own children, as they grew up, they're, they're adults now, so this doesn't really happen much now, but there were times when my children, I had to address them, about say, hey, this isn't right, you know, how you're responding isn't right, your attitude isn't right, or whatever. And every time I ever explained anything to them, they immediately turned into little angels. You guys don't look like you believe that. No, they didn't. There were plenty of times when they, they're human, they have struggles, and they didn't. Well, here's the deal. As long as they hang on to that, that attitude or maybe even the disobedience that they're going, as long as they hang on to that, there's an issue between us, isn't there? Now, are they still my children? Absolutely. They will always be my children. So that's not the issue. But the issue is our relationship is impacted by this thing that's in between us. Okay? And so, in a sense, they need to turn and seek forgiveness, and I've already granting it, but you see what I mean? There's, there's, so we as Christians, when we think about asking forgiveness, in one sense we say, well, we're forgiven forever. Every sin paid for in full on the cross, that's true. But when we sin and disobey God, we do bring this sin in between us and the Lord relationally, right? We aren't free with the Lord, free and open, and for him to you know, to work and I say, there's the freedom. So we need, we ask forgiveness to do what? <sighs> to clean the slate and open that relationship again. And so in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, we are, you know, say forgive us. But then the next thing it says, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, there's a lot to think about there, and we'll, we'll get to that a little more later. But I want you to see that not only in the middle of the Lord's Prayer here do we see that we are transgressors, we see that we are supposed to forgive those who transgress against us, those who cross the line with us and treat us wrong. And so forgiveness really, really matters. We typically, in all our singing stuff, we think about forgiveness to God to us. But what we're going to talk about today and for the next two weeks is hugely important in life, and that's forgiveness this way between you and I. And I would say for what we experience in life, it's just as important as God's forgiveness for us, okay? And today I want to give you seven reasons why forgiveness is so important, so, so important. And the first one, we don't even have to go to the Word to look for I mean, I think we could go to Proverbs and, and begin looking and bring some verses together and make a case for this. But the first one is this. Failing to forgive damages your health. See, there's this connection. When you don't forgive and you have this anger and resentment under the surface, this is ongoing stress, and we know that ongoing stress produces health problems. Here's just a list of some of the health issues that they are uh, uh, identifying now as being connected with people's forgiving spirit or unforgiving spirit. Cholesterol levels can be affected. The ability to sleep well. And I want to say this is not, forgiveness, unforgiveness is not the only issue here. But it is an issue. There's a correlation. Ability to sleep well, heart rate, heart disease, heart attack uh, are uh, affected by this. Blood pressure, diabetes, anxiety, depression, stress, and even immune responses. Okay, your immune system doesn't work as well as it should when you have this ongoing stress under the surface. So, uh, if there was no other reason, if we were just having a conversation to say you need to learn to forgive, forgiveness is so important, it's because it affects your health, okay? It does long term. But the Bible has a whole lot more to say about it than that. So let's go to the book of Ephesians. 
see what, start looking at what God says about this. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under the chair there in front of you. Uh, we'd really encourage you to pick that up and follow along. I'll give you page numbers. Uh, we're going to start on page 1,346. 1,346, Ephesians 4. Now, in the first half of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul lays out this whole big thing of what God has done for us in Christ, all the things that he has accomplished and what he is still doing in Christ. And we get to chapter 4, and he begins to turn this corner. And what he says is, uh, because of all these things are true, it means some things in your life how you ought to live. And in verse 17, he says, you've got to stop living like unsaved people. Stop living, you're saved now. You have a relationship with God. Stop living like unsaved people who don't have that relationship. Then he pictures these changes that need to be made as the idea of changing our clothing. Okay, take this off and put this on. Take that off, put this on. And the passage we're gonna look at today, it, it, he, he gets even more specific, but this is the pattern that he goes with. Not this, but this, not this, but this. So let's begin reading in verse 25. He says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're connected, so don't lie, speak truth. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Uh, he's quoting from one of the Psalms there, be angry and do not sin. So do you catch it there that it is, is it is possible to, to have anger arise and not sin because of it? Okay, now, I think that if we aren't careful, what we're gonna do is think, well, I am angry, but I'm not sinning, right? But it actually crossed the line. And, and as we work through this series on forgiveness, I think that we can start to understand the difference there. But anger is an emotion that comes as a result of something, okay? God gave us the emotion of anger. It serves a purpose. But when we, if we aren't careful, and, and I would say that this is why this is here, because anger easily leads to sin, right? It can very quickly lead to sin. So be angry and do not sin. Then he gives us some pr practical uh, instruction about this. He says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, how many of you have ever had an argument late at night? And who might that have been with? <laughs> and I mean, it's a really good principle uh, in and of itself, but the idea is this, is that we should not let our anger linger unresolved. Anger should be dealt with in short order, okay? We need to deal with it. Don't let it fester because that's exactly what we're gonna see as we go through today. It's that not dealing with it quickly that allows it to fester and turn into resentment and ugliness that leads to really bad places, okay? And then he says this, nor give place to the devil. So somehow this angry, and if, if we allow anger, uh, if we are angry and we do sin, we give place to the devil in our life somehow. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Verse 20, 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt meaning uh, rotten, um, decaying, uh, things having to do with death, not life-giving words, okay? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever, you know, somebody talks to you in a way that just sucks the life out of you? You know, oh, 
you know, I did it again. And, and those are corrupt words. And he says that we ought not have those coming out of our mouths. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. In other words, necessary edification was, I need help here. I need to help. What I, what I say needs to be helpful. And we gotta watch ourselves here because, well, I'm just gonna tell you what's wrong with you and you need to fix it and here's why and, and you need to know this. You need to hear this. And that's why Paul continues, he said, what, not just only good for this edification, but that it what might impart what? Grace to the hearers. So when we speak to each other, it ought to, to help people. It ought to build them up in a way that's gracious, not condemning, not harsh, okay? Now, in the middle of these things he's talking about, you know, it could do this and this and this, not this and this and this. In verse 30, he tells us something not to do, but he doesn't really, it isn't quite the same. He says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, okay? And we're gonna talk a little more about what that means in a, in a minute, but the idea is our actions impact our relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? They do, and we're talking about being angry, we're talking about how we talk. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So let's, let's look at that list again. Bitterness, we're gonna focus in on just a minute. But wrath is that idea of losing your temper. Any of you ever lose it? You know, I'm gonna ask you for a show of hands. I bet you some of you have that personality. You lose it from time to time. That's not my personality, okay? It's just how I grew up, whatever. Um, I did lose my temper once many years ago. We were newlyweds and living in an apartment. And I don't remember where I gone, but my wife grew up in a house where you said what you meant and you, how you felt and you, know, you made sure the other people knew exactly how you felt. You know what I mean? And her house voice level was high often if it needed to be and you know, expressed. And I'm just the opposite, and, and I grew up in a household where I never heard my parents raise their voice, which is not a good thing. It didn't make me healthy. But so I thought that wasn't normal, right? I thought it was bad, I mean, it was, you know. Anyway, so Glenda would get expressive and telling me what she thought, and I forget, sometimes she pushed enough buttons for me, I actually got mad, and I think it was breakfast time, and I, and I picked up my toast, and I, I threw it in the sink. She started laughing. <laughs> and she said, ooh, you do have feelings. <laughs> I'm not sure that was edifying words with grace, but. <laughs> but the point is, he says wrath, that wrath needs to go. This, this idea of losing it, losing our temper, expressing it, of course, anger. Uh, Clamor, that's that loud quarreling, that arguing and, and evil speaking. That's just saying those mean, hurtful things. And, and then with all malice, he says, it's not just what's happening on the outside, it's what's happening on the inside, Ill, Ill will. This needs to go. Be put away from you. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ 
forgave you. And so our interactions, rather than being this tension and harshness that we need to learn to be kind to each other and then tenderhearted. Let me ask you, is there anybody in your life, if you think about it today, that you might really have to work to be kind to if you ran into them? And even worse, if you had to say, you know, I need to be tenderhearted, I need to have a tender heart for this person. Is anybody like that? I, uh, yesterday as I sat going over sermon stuff and thinking about it, the Lord said, hey, Walt, let's talk about you. Well, no, Lord, I just soon we talked about the sermon and what I'm going to tell other people. And he said, no, let's talk about you and brought some people to mind. I had to think about it. I realized, you know, I'm not where I need to be. You know, I thought I'd forgiven him, but I really hadn't finished the job because I didn't feel kind toward them and I didn't feel tenderhearted toward them. I didn't wish them ill, but I didn't, you know what I mean? Okay, this is not Walt's day to explain all of his problems to you. I'm just, I'm with you in this, okay? All right, but what I want you to see is, is there's two bookends here, bitterness and forgiving. Bitterness starts the list in verse 31, forgiving finishes the list in verse 32. And I think it's because these two things are absolutely crucial. They are opposite ends of the spectrum. And here's the deal. If we aren't forgiving, we will end up bitter. And if we are bitter, the only solution is to forgive. The problem is when you get to bitter, it's pretty entrenched. Okay, let's talk about what bitterness is. In the, 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 the word that when the Apostle Paul wrote this and the Holy Spirit was inspiring the scripture, he wrote in the Greek language and, and the word he chose for bitterness here, uh, the meaning of that in the Greek language, and, and it, it lines up with our English word, but it starts off with the idea of being sharp. But it's sharp like this, it's sharp like there's cheddar cheese and then there's sharp cheddar cheese and there's extra sharp cheddar cheese. Have you ever put cheddar cheese in your mouth that when you did your lips went hmm? I mean it's so sharp, right? It's like this, isn't it? Okay, that's what this word means. It can refer to smells, pungent smells like the rotting of flesh. Have you ever in the summertime lifted the lid on the garbage can and it hits you and you go right? This word would be used to refer to those kinds of things, or rottenness. Um, but more than that, it was used to apply to uh, acid. They talked acid. They would use this word referring to acid. What does acid do? It burns and damages, doesn't it, okay? Uh, and then it was also used to refer to poison. So here's the deal. If you have bitterness... Your soul is being poisoned, okay? You're being damaged by it, all right? Now, forgiveness, when he says what we need instead of this, you know, bitterness, and, I, and I'll talk a minute about how we get there, this idea of forgiveness um, comes from, there's a couple different words and terminologies used for forgiveness. In, in the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which I can't, you know, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and all that, uh, it's the word that, refers to that very thing. That's why they translate it. It's the idea of canceling a debt. 
something that is owed being forgiven. You know, you don't have this debt anymore. And that's what God did with us in Christ, right? We had sinned against the holy God repeatedly. We had a sin debt that if we have to pay it, it takes forever in hell, so we can't ever pay it in full. We have this debt, but Jesus did pay it, paid it in full, and when we receive him, he does what? He cancels the debt, and we don't owe it anymore. So there's that idea of forgiveness, okay? And, and it also includes the idea, this word includes the idea of to, to lift up and send away. And so we carry this load, this heaviness of sin, and when God forgives us, he, he, he lifts that up, takes, lifts that load and sends it away. So good, isn't it, okay? Now, there's another word that gets translated forgiveness, and the Apostle Paul uses it all the time when he's talking about forgiveness this way between us. And he says, it's a word that at the root of it is the word grace. Grace. And it's this idea. So you wrong me. And I, instead of, I might get angry, but instead of staying angry, I make a choice to instead respond graciously to you. Right? Not because you deserve it, but because the grace of God is filling me in my life, and I'm going to respond graciously. And so in that sense, I forgive you. I'm not, I'm not holding this against you. I'm showing you grace instead. And that's what this word that's translated here is. Now, how do we become bitter? Well, we have this list here, you know, wrath, losing our temper, anger, the evil speaking, the arguing. Um, what was the other one? Evil speaking, yeah, saying the, the, the mean, hurtful, hateful things, and then malice in our hearts. But so here's how we become bitter, because I think there's a progression. What did Paul say? Be angry and what? Don't sin. Okay, so anger comes. Something happens, right? You've, you've done me wrong. You've, you've, you've uh, treated me harshly in a way I didn't deserve. Um, maybe you've taken something that isn't rightfully yours, whatever, and I am either really angry or maybe really hurt or probably a combination of those things. I'm really angry and hurt, okay? Now, what typically happens is eventually we walk away from each other, okay? We, or maybe, I, maybe you didn't even know. You didn't think you did this, but I think you did. doesn't matter. I have all of these feelings. And has anybody ever else been like me when you get in these tense situations hurt, and you have these feelings and, and when it's over and you walk away that... Everything's wonderful? No, you still have this what? This turmoil. And this, and I don't know about you, I, I'm an expert, and here I go again, telling you what's wrong with me. I am an, an expert at being able to have this ongoing conversation in my head as to why I am right and why I'm justified and why they did what was wrong and what they need to do about it. But so if we let this continue, what happens is it doesn't really go away, this, the volume just goes down. The volume goes down and then it just kind of sits there and then it, it, it sinks down into our souls and just stays there and doesn't get resolved. Now, what we see is when we have ongoing anger, whether it's loud and expressed or not, usually we end up with resentment and, and the evil feelings, the malice and all this kind of stuff and it stays underneath there and it turns into bitterness. And what's bitterness? something that's poisoning our souls, affecting how we see everything else in life and what we do about it. 
Okay? And so this is where God is telling us, no, no, no. When the anger comes, don't sin. When the anger comes, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to address it and forgive it. You have to forgive it. Okay? Um, And I'm not going to talk a lot to you today about that, how we do that. But I want you to understand this connection and, and continue this idea to show you from the word why it's so important. By the way, it's natural not to forgive. It's natural not to forgive. The challenge is to forgive. And so it's easy not to do it. You know what I mean? It's easy not to do it or it's easy just to uh, let it go and say you've done it rather than doing the hard work of forgiveness. But I want you to understand, you, you, you don't want to live that way. It is so important that you learn to forgive and that you actually not just learn, you do it. All right? So let me give you some more reasons from our, from our passage here. So, so much of this passage is about how we get along with each other in anger and how we're talking to each other. In verse 26, it says, Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down your wrath. And it says this, Nor give place to the devil. And so the idea here is this. When you don't forgive, you give Satan room to work in your life. Okay? Go ahead and go to that if you would. You give Satan room to work in your life. Now, anybody have enough problems on your own without giving Satan a place to stay? Yeah. Well, let me show you how this works, okay? My, as I think about this, I have an analogy in mind, and that's that, that here's my life, Okay? Here's my life, and, and, and you know, I can take it, and I can respond to God. And I, I got my own messes I'm working on, right? But I can, if I need to go forward and grow, I can do that. You know, my, I can move forward with my life. I can stop, whatever, okay? Um, I'm going to ask Dave to come up this time. I'm going to ask Dave to play the role of Satan today, okay? And um, here's what's happened. So I have been offended you have offended me, you've wounded me, whatever, I'm hurt, and I don't deal with it. And I just let it go under the surface, and it, it moves toward bitterness. And what I've just done is given Satan, not easy, easy, easy. no, easy, easy, a handle in my life, okay? So when the time comes and I'm wanting to, okay, I want to grow, I want to make progress here, and I want to go this way, he's going to be what? And, and I think God's bigger than Satan, so sometimes we drag him along some. But the idea is there's this resistance, isn't there? And if I'm not careful, I'm not paying attention, what's he going to do? Yeah, exactly, you know. You see what I'm saying? When you and I don't forgive, thanks, Dave, we give Satan a handle in our lives, something that he can use to work against us. And we already have enough troubles without that, okay? Then uh, the other verse, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? We're talking about how we're getting along, how we're talking to each other, anger and forgiveness. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because when you fail to forgive, you grieve the Holy Spirit. In essence, you, you like push the Holy Spirit away. Now, he is God, right? And, and he could win any shoving match you want to have with him. But what we're thinking is this. It's, it, I'm thinking is this. It's once again, I've had with my children has happened and with other people where... You can really see clearly, here's what you need to do, and let me help you, let me help you to go forward, let me help you to succeed, and they, they don't want to do it. They aren't interested, they keep pushing your way, no, no, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to handle it this way, whether they say it or just live it. And, and as the parent, I, I, sometimes I have to kind of step back, and I'm grieved, I feel bad about this, but I just kind of, okay. 
I guess you're going to have to learn this the hard way. And so that's the way it is when the Holy Spirit says, let's forgive. Let's, let's work on forgiving here. Let's deal with this anger and forgive. And we go, no, I'm not forgiving that person. No, and, and it grieves him to the point where he, he very well may say, okay, we're going to have to learn this lesson the hard way. I don't want to do that. And then we've already seen, we've already talked about the fourth thing. Failing to forgive leads to bitterness, and bitterness is poison to your soul. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And as we go there, let me just think about this. When I said that um, bitterness, one of the meanings of the word is acid. I remember, you know, on more than one occasion in my life having to mess with the battery in my car. And um, some of you guys might relate to this more than ladies. I mean, some of you ladies may understand it. But so out there, I clean the terminals and the stuff that's on it and wearing gloves so, you know, if any acid, you don't burn your hands. And trying to be real careful. Maybe you have to replace the battery, you know, get it out of the car, take it to the place to exchange it. And you're doing all this and, and be so careful. And you think you've made it through clean, and then you take your clothes off, and they get washed, and when they come out, there's holes in them. How did that happen? Well, there was acid there I didn't realize, wasn't there? I hadn't seen. I didn't understand it was there. So that's the way bitterness is. I don't have any bitterness. Well, I don't have any bitterness. But if it's there, guess what? is going to come out. All right, so Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that idea that God thankfully grants us the holiness in Christ. But we're supposed to have a relationship with others that's based on peace and on holiness, doing what's good and right. Verse 15, Looking carefully lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Okay, let's focus on these phrases. Anyone falls short of the grace of God. How much grace does God have? Enough, right? And more, more than enough. Uh, Paul says where, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound, okay? So God has all the grace we need. And that's not just to have our sins forgiven to go to heaven. It's grace we need to live the way we're supposed to live. It's grace that we need to forgive. The idea is this, when something comes into our life and need arises, God has all the grace we need to be able to deal with that. And he says we gotta be careful that we come short of that. And what he means is that we don't take advantage of it. We do something different. In that case, we fall short of what God has for us. Okay, so be careful, because that can happen. And then he goes on and says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. So think, we talked about, how do we get bitter? We get bitter when we have anger, resentment, ill will, these things, and we don't forgive, we don't address them, and it just kind of soaks in, and it goes where? Under the surface. And hangs out there. And becomes bitterness. And what's it tell us that this bitterness will eventually do? Boom, it's going to pop to the surface. Now, we're already being poisoned by it. 
long as it's under the surface, though, yeah. But once it pops to the surface, and it will, what's the result? And by this, many become defiled. Now it's no longer just you. So when you become bitter, it's going to come out in your life. And it's like if I were to put on purple glasses here today, purple lens, right? When I looked at you, what color would you look? Different shades of purple. (laughs) In other words, it is affecting everything I am seeing. Bitterness will affect everything that you see, everything that you think, Everything that you feel, how you interpret what's going on around you and interpret what people are saying to you. Bitterness, and the more it grows, the more it affects it. And so how do you respond? You respond with bitterness, and you respond the wrong way. And and now who's hurt? Just you? No, everybody in your life is getting a dose. It's like you have this battery acid, and you're walking around going, right? Splashing it on other people. And so this is the fifth reason that it's so important to forgive, because failing to forgive hurts an increasing number of people. It always does. It never affects just you. You might think it does for a while, but eventually it doesn't. Now in this passage, I'm not going to go on and read it. I want you to just, uh, they refer to Esau. So for time's sake, let's just go to that passage. Genesis chapter 27. Esau is referred to as a bitter person in the scripture. Genesis chapter 27 is page 30 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. Let's see how I can tell this as shortly as possible. Esau and Jacob were brothers. Esau was the older brother, Jacob the younger. Jacob was quite the schemer and was willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get what he thought was important. Uh, He tricked his older brother, sort of. I mean, his older brother was stupid about it. But nonetheless, uh, Esau, uh, Jacob tricked him out of his birthright. The birthright being that which, if you were the birthright, that means you were the oldest and you you were the one who would be the head of the family after dad died, okay? You'd be heading the household, the birthright. And then there's another thing that this culture had, and that's the father's blessing, because before he died, he would give a specific blessing. And the blessing is almost like the terms of the inheritance. The blessing is here's what you're going to have, here's what I expect God to do through you, and here's what, you know. And so it was huge uh, to these people. It mattered so much. Jacob not only tricked Esau out of his birthright, Jacob deceived his father and tricked him out of the blessing, too. Okay? Lie, cheat, steal, made it happen. Okay? So what we want to pick up in the story is Esau has just found out. Not only did he get my birthright, but now he's got the blessing from my father. Verse 34. I guess it would help if I was in the right chapter. When Esau heard the words of his father... He cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? Can you hear how he would have said it? Is he not rightly named Jacob? Jacob means supplanter, 
the guy who, who cheats you out of something. He's rightly named. So he has malice in his heart here, doesn't he? For look, for he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. I want you to see something. When you become bitter, we have no, uh, Esau did not forgive Jacob over the birthright thing. He's become bitter. And when you become bitter, you start keeping lists. These two times he's done this. She did this to me three times. And you may not even have a number, but you can go, when you are bitter towards someone, you can say, look, they did this and this and this and this and this, and you remember them all. That's what bitterness does to us. So let's, let's go on to um, verse 16. And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And, and his father did give him a blessing, but it wasn't the kind of blessing that he gave Jacob. Verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing. Now, yeah, let me, okay, let me finish here. Hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at hand then I will kill my brother Jacob. Where did bitterness bring Esau to the point of being willing to murder his brother? You know, if we could get under the, under the stories, behind the stories, uh, when you hear about someone killing someone else and walk that back, I bet you most of the time we could find that somebody became bitter and it produced hatred. And Jesus said, what? You've heard it said, thou shalt not kill, don't murder. But I say unto you, what? Don't be angry without cause. What's, right, you have this anger. Okay, so that's where this leads. This is what bitterness does. Verse 42, in the words of Esau, her older son were told to Rebekah, that's the mom, so she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. How twisted is that that you take comfort in the fact, I feel better because I get to kill this guy. But see, this is where bitterness takes. Bitterness twists. You're thinking, you twist your emotions and your decisions. You see how it affects, makes you lead, it leads to bad decisions? Really bad decisions. She continues, now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets. Well, a few days took 20 years. This is what bitterness does. Okay, it drives wedges. And, and even though eventually, after 20 years, Jacob and Esau meet and it seems cool, Jacob is scared because he knows. See, it affects long term. And let me just throw this out to you. Just, this is not really part of this sermon today, but um, it says here, she says, until he forgets. Forgetting is the wrong strategy. Forgiving is the right one, Okay. 
All right. Now, we're not going to take time to do this, but it goes on. Uh, there's words here that um, Esau hears, and hears his, his father saying and his mother saying about how they don't want their children to marry these pagan uh, people around, and, uh, you know, get a wife from the, the people who didn't believe in God. And, and so Esau's really bitter. So what's he do? Goes and gets a wife from them, just almost despite them. And so sixth reason that you've got to forgive, because failing to forgive leads to more sin. If you stay bitter, you will sin. Bigger, harder, heavier ways. All right, let's go to Mark chapter 11, and we will finish with this. We make really bad decisions when we're bitter. You've got to forgive instead. This passage we're going to read here in Mark 11 uh, is a, a very similar to what uh, Jesus says at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Verse number 25, we're on page 1168, 1168. Jesus says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That sounds cool. We'll just stop right there. No, he says, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, we already talked about this a little earlier, right? What kind of uh, uh, forgiveness are we talking about? This is not forgiveness for salvation. That happens when we receive Christ. Sin debt paid in full and canceled. So it's not that. This is relational forgiveness. And what he's telling us, as long as we refuse to forgive somebody else, there's going to be a, a relational thing here between us and God, and we will not experience his forgiveness. We won't experience that. The relationship is now open and free because there's something there, okay? And, and so this is the seventh reason. Failing to forgive affects your ability to experience God's forgiveness. To experience it, to know it, to feel free. It's going to get in the way of that. All right, so these seven reasons. And as I've studied, as I've done with the sermon, I start thinking of more. <laughs> There's more. There's more things we go to the Word, but this is, these are sufficient, right? We get it. You have to forgive. You have to learn to forgive. And you have to be able to identify and understand that when you thought you've forgiven, maybe you haven't really finished the job. And so you gotta forgive. So how do you do that? How, how do you forgive that person? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about next week, okay? Uh, how do we forgive others? In Ephesians 4 there, verse 32, Paul says, and forgive one another as what? As Christ has forgiven you. And so understanding his forgiveness of us is gonna be a foundation for us to be able to forgive others. And so um, let, let's end uh, our worship time today by thanking the Lord for that forgiveness. If, I'm gonna sing a chorus. If you know it, sing along with me. The chorus is, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul, for his forgiveness, okay? In fact, let's bow our heads and sing this as kind of our final blessing here. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. 
Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Father, help us to go from here just reveling and loving, enjoying your forgiveness in Christ. And Lord, teach us to forgive. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I will see you next Sunday. Talk about how do we forgive.